Welcome to the BGSM Podcast. I'm Daniel Friedman, and today I'm very excited to be speaking with Dr. Shona Halsett about all things sleep. Shona is an associate professor in the School of Behavioral and Health Sciences at Australian Catholic University. She has a PhD in exercise physiology, recently finished up close to 16 years working at the Australian Institute of Sport as a senior recovery physiologist, and has been the director of the Australian Olympic Committee Recovery Centre for the last three Summer Olympic Games. Shona, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. Why has there been an explosion of interest in recovery in recent years? Why is everyone talking about what they're doing outside of training? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And I think there's been this sort of evolution over time where we've sort of seen in the early days there was, you know, this real focus on on training and, and hard training and, and, you know, making sure that, you know, the whole no pain, no gain type perspective. And I think we sort of started to work out that, you know, that's not always the right approach for everyone and that the, you know, the hours outside of training are equally as important as as the hours that we, we spend during training. And they often, the hours outside of training would usually, for most people, outweigh the hours um, that are spent training. So there's more time spent um, recovering. And what I think um, we're seeing now is this sort of approach that, well, maybe we can, you know, train harder if we are looking after our recovery. So this bit of a theory around, well, maybe we can't overtrain, but we can under recover. So this real sort of focus on these outside hours of, of training. And and also I think we're getting to the point now where, you know, especially in Australia, we're very evidence-based. So there was a lot of practices that had been occurring for a number of years with athletes that they've just naturally uh, chosen. And we've sort of started now, especially in the research space, trying to assess whether um, these are the right things that the athlete should be doing and exactly what the mechanisms are as to, to how it might be working. What are some of those practices? Look, I think from a, you know, a real basic level, we start with things like sleep being the most important recovery strategy that we have. Probably one of the uh, the most recent areas of research, though, it's not something that um, has been researched for a long time. But I think things like sleep and nutrition, very important, which we know lots of great research been done for a number of years in this area. Things like water immersion, cold water immersion, ice baths, spas, contrast therapy, hydrotherapy, all pretty popular. And then things like massage, compression, active recovery, stretching, all things that um, a lot of athletes do. As, as part of their recovery plan. And out of all of these practices, what makes up the foundation of that recovery pyramid? Yeah, I like to think, you know, when I'm talking to athletes about about recovery and about things that they can choose, I like to say that, you know, sleep and downtime and mental recovery, along with nutrition, sort of make up that kind of foundation of your pyramid, so the basis of your recovery. And it's not until you've done those things really well that you should really start focusing on some of the, you know, some of the um, smaller, maybe less important aspects of recovery. So I do find that many athletes and many, many of us, I can appreciate um, the way that they think is that they want the easy, simple, quick option. And sometimes it's things like um, obviously your sleep and nutrition that you need to make sure you have that basis there first before you go around and, and you know, try some of these other, other types of recovery strategies. Not to say that the other types, other strategies aren't important, but to make sure that you've got that foundation of recovery um, built on really around sleep and nutrition as your foundations. 
Why should we devote a third of our lives to sleep? Why is it so important? Yeah, uh, the, one of the, fa- the the quotes at the moment um, that comes from Matthew Walker's book is that if uh, if we weren't meant to sleep a third of our lives, then Mother Nature made a very big mistake. And if you look at as a really simple way of thinking about it, you know, there are things that are supposed to happen while we're awake, and there are things that are supposed to happen while we're asleep. And there's a range of you know almost everything um, to do with our biology runs on us on the circadian clock everything down to our immune cells run on a circadian clock and essentially what we've been doing over time is shortening and shortening that amount of sleep and that's certainly not what we were designed to do we were designed to spend somewhere around eight hours although that's very individual to spend somewhere around eight hours of of time asleep and that's because there's lots of really important physiological and psychological recovery factors that occur during during that time period so it's actually you know really critical for our health and our well-being our mood our mental health um, not just our, our physical health as well what is the average amount of sleep for an elite athlete or elite athletes at large? From our work that we've done over the years, on average, our athletes are getting about six and a half hours of actual sleep. So spending a little bit more time than that in bed, but actually getting about six and a half hours of sleep. Now, that can be, you know, reduced from what we would like to see um, for a number of different reasons. There's lots of reasons that might affect why an athlete might not be sleeping the, the amount that we'd like them to. But it seems like, you know, that's the kind of number as well that we see in some of the, you know, general population statistics as well. So in general, most of us aren't getting enough sleep. And when we look at the data that we have in athletes, that's certainly less than what we would recommend, even though we know there's some individuals that, you know, cope better with shorter amounts of sleep. And then there's some athletes that require, you know, longer amounts of sleep. What is the recommended amount of sleep for athletes versus the general population? Yeah, that's a fantastic question and I wish I had the right answer to it. We believe, and we don't have really any science to support this, it's just what we believe based on what we understand around um, the importance of sleep, is we think that athletes probably need more sleep than the than the general population due to the additional physical recovery um, requirements that, that they have. Um, having said that, I'm, I am a little bit reluctant to kind of put this, you know, eight hour figure onto people because I think that some people, as I said, can can cope with less than that. And then there's certainly some athletes that would require more than that. So I think, you know, we're really looking for a range between somewhere around seven to nine, you know, some, some people believe more than nine, but I guess when you look at the life of an athlete, getting more than nine hours can sometimes be, be a challenge. So I think it's important to realize that there's a range and we don't want people to get super fixated on a number and then become stressed when they can't or, won't, or don't get that number. You know, we want to encourage them to encourage our athletes to be getting the amount that they need and to, and to prioritize sleep. Is there a name now for the obsession about sleep? <laughs> um, I don't know if there's, you know, there might be a name out there, but look, I don't, I see it at the moment in terms of, you know, this real, there's a, you know, you'll see it in the media, you see it in lots of different places and that there is this, is this a, a focus on sleep, which in general, I think is a great thing. But I do think that we need to be cautious because we know that stress and anxiety 
don't combine well with sleep. And the last thing that we want to do is to cause people to become so overly concerned and obsessed with their sleep that that results in increased stress and anxiety. So it's one of those things where, you know, when I'm talking to athletes, I really try to make it clear to them that, look, yes, sleep is very important. It's it's one of those things that we want to, you know, is as one of the foundations of your recovery and one thing we really want to help you get it right. But, you know, if no one sleeps perfectly every night of the year. So if you have the odd bad night, um, it's it's not a problem. It happens. Uh, what you're looking for is longer term habits and patterns and doing the, the best that you can do as often as you can do. So I often say to athletes, one good training session is not going to make you a superstar and one bad training session is, is not going to make you a bad athlete. So it's really about the habits and the patterns and the things that you do the majority of the time that, that is where the, you'll, you'll find the successes. So again, yes, sleep's important, but we don't want to um, overly come obsessed and stressed about it to the point that it, it, impairs, it impairs the individual's sleep. But athletes are working out all day, they're training all day, and so one could assume that they would fall asleep easily and sleep uninterrupted throughout the night. But we know that this isn't the case, and so what I was wondering is what disturbs sleep in athletes today? Yeah, that's a, another great question. And the way that I try to think about it is there are things that I kind of think of about as a, a us and them kind of scenario. So there are things that athletes do themselves that may interfere with their sleep and there are things that we as outsiders impose on an, on the athlete. So for example the things that we might impose are training schedules early morning starts. We know they're not great for sleep. We've got some good research in that area. So, you know, early morning training sessions are not great for getting the duration of sleep that's required. Travel, we may, you know, organize flights for very early in the morning instead of flying the night before because, you know, financial reasons, um, we may not fly them the night before. We might fly them very early the next day. We know that competition schedules, you know, in Rio, the swimming was late at night. Um, in Tokyo, it'll be early in the mornings. So again, what, what an athlete would normally be used to is potentially changed due to the, the change in schedule. But then from an athlete perspective, um, we know that things like caffeine can one, enhance performance, but two, it can also be detrimental to sleep um, depending on when it's consumed and, and, and the doses. Our stress and anxiety, so stress about and anxiety around competition, things around sponsorship, things around social media, especially in, in today's day and age, social media can be, can be a big one. The use of phones, smartphones, computer games, video games, close to, close to falling asleep is also another one. So again, social media is, is popular. A lot of athletes like to game. They like to, they're competitive, so they like to, they like to continue that competition into the, into the evening. And of course, jet lag is is another thing that can can have an influence on um, an athlete's ability to sleep. And comp competing at night, every athlete that team sport professional athlete that I've worked with that competes at night generally says that they have some some difficulties falling asleep. And that can be due to replaying the game. It can be due to caffeine. It can be due due to the fact they've slept during the day before a night game. Um. So there's you know that's just a, a short list, but there's a lot of a lot of things that can interfere with an athlete's ability to, to get the sleep that they need. And for the athletes that are training or competing late at night and then find it difficult to fall asleep, 
later that night. What do you recommend that they do to help them fall asleep? There's not really anything sort of based in in the science. It's something that we anecdotally know happens, but um, there's not, uh, there hasn't been many studies um, at all looking at what you can do about it. I think there are some things that can be done that can be explored by some athletes, things like um, relaxation strategies, meditation, mindfulness, whatever that might look like. I think looking after your recovery. So, you know, we know that soreness and pain may have a relationship to, to sleep. So taking care of your general recovery. Debriefing. So a lot of people who don't sleep after games might be because they're just stressed replaying the game or they've, you know, they're thinking about all the things that they, they did wrong. So sometimes debriefing can help. But then, you know, a real pragmatic approach that I try to, to, to take is is just to say, look, if you're a football player that plays once a week, you know, you may just have to accept that one night a week is not as good as you'd like to 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 have it in terms of your sleep and encouraging teams to not schedule early morning training sessions knowing that the the players may not get to bed until early in the morning so making sure that they've got the opportunity to sleep if they if they can and the other thing is just yeah understanding that you know there is it is a bad night and and it's not the end of the world but don't go out and make things worse we know that alcohol is not good for sleep and not good for overall muscle recovery so you know some athletes will say well, you know, if I um, I'm not going to sleep anyway, so I may as well go out and and um, have a few drinks. And the advice around that is that certainly not a good time to sort of one be on your feet and two be be out drinking. So I'm being a little bit cautious about that. So yes, there's some things that you might be able to try, but essentially let's not try and make things worse by doing you know some um, not appropriate behaviours for your recovery. And now if we look at it from the other side, does one bad night of sleep impact performance the next day? Generally not. Uh, so what we uh, what we know from the science, and there's not a lot of literature out there in really elite athletes, but it seems to be that you need three, four nights of reduced sleep to have an effect on performance. Now, a lot of studies are total sleep deprivation, so 24 hours without sleep or more, 36 hours without sleep, which is not something we see athletes do generally as a general rule. Sometimes it happens, of course, but um, that's not what we see more of. We tend to see more of partial sleep deprivation where maybe they're losing three or four hours a night over consecutive nights. And, and I think then when you start to look at those, in that instances, it's really around and having more than three or four or five nights of bad sleep. The body's really good generally if you have one bad night. The next night you usually make up for that by going into stage more like stage three sleep or deeper sleep, other slow wave sleep to get that additional recovery. So the body's usually pretty good at compensating for one bad night. It's when it drags out to three or four, you know, or five hours of sleep deprivation that it can start to affect performance. And what we know from the from the literature is that that it seems to be the perception of effort that increases. Um, so everything just feels harder. And that's one of the main drivers of, of poor performance. And I think even those of us who are not elite athletes have never been and never will be know what it feels like for to feel uncomfortable when you've had had poor sleep for a, a significant period of time. Everything just feels more difficult. And to make up for that sleep deprivation, is it okay for athletes to nap throughout the day? 
Yeah, so I'll try to give a um a, a a non-scientific answer to this one as much as I can. I do like to sit on the fence with this one, but there's some it's it's very grey around the napping area. So we know that naps have the potential to decrease sleep quality at night. So the the idea behind a nap though is that if you are sleep deprived, the only way to overcome sleep deprivation is to sleep. So when I'm working with athletes who um, have very short durations of sleep, they might be have early morning starts like our swimmers, the only way for them to compensate for the short sleep that they get is to have a nap during the day. And I think that naps then are an absolutely fantastic and very important thing. If I am working, however, with athletes who are getting the required amount of sleep at night, often one, they won't have the desire to nap, but two, it's probably not that important for them to nap and may actually be detrimental to their ability to sleep at night. So if you are sleep deprived, nap 100% a great idea. If you're not sleep deprived, it's it's the thing to, to maybe consider avoiding. What are some of the key issues that you like to address when conducting a sleep history with an athlete or a team of athletes? The approach that I would normally take would to, would be to do some form of objective monitoring with an activity monitor to give us some actual numbers on on how they're how they're sleeping, which I think is really good for an athlete to see what their numbers are, especially if you want them to engage in some behaviour change practices. Um, so giving them some numbers and a report, an individual report, but then sitting down with them and talking them through through that data. So I'm very, very reluctant just to give an athlete a report. The, the good stuff, I say, happens when you actually sit down with them and talk about things like exactly their history, what are their habits, what are their practices, is there something, what's the context of their life at the moment that might be causing any problems, uh, what's their, you know, what, what times do they have to get up in the morning, do they have problems falling asleep, do they have problems staying asleep, what's their room environment like. So it's all the little things that you don't get from the numbers that you see on a report that become important for helping work out how you can amend their sleep. I mean, having said that, some athletes... Not, with the, not that we see very many of these, but there are some athletes who genuinely have really great sleep and we just need to just let them know, be very confident in what you're doing and just keep doing what you're doing. You can forget about this unless a problem arises. And however, what we do see is most athletes have something that they can tweak to try to improve their, um, their quality or their quantity of sleep. Shona, I want to be mindful of your time, but before we let you go, could you leave our listeners with your top tips for getting a better night's sleep? Yeah, look, I think my key things would be to try and create a good routine. Routine is really important. Bedtime and wake time as often as possible at the same times. So routine is such a fantastic strategy. And then what I like people to do is if they've had a bad night's sleep, to actually sort of try and connect the dots. So what did I do? What happened the day before? What was my caffeine like? What was my stress like? What was my room environment like? Is there something that I can actually see that might give me an indication of where I went wrong? What? And then you can obviously look then for what um, what changes can be made. But then I think on the whole, what I think is one of the most important things for people to get good sleep is just to prioritize sleep. I think most of us know that sleep is important. Most of us feel bad when we don't sleep. Most 
most of us enjoy sleep. It's not something that's, you know, difficult or, or uncomfortable for most of us. It's just a matter of other things get in the way. And so making sure that, um, you know, you don't watch that extra episode of Netflix or you stop scrolling in, on Instagram at 11 o'clock at night. So it's just making sure that you're understanding that sleep is something that's very important for our physical and our mental well-being and we need to prioritise it and really find ways to try and maximise your sleep as often as possible. And are there any specific steps within that wind-down routine that you prioritise? Yeah, I think the best thing for people to do is find out what works for them. So for some athletes, it might be meditation or mindfulness to, to include in, in part of that wind down routine before bed. Um, but for others, that that will just be something they would never even contemplate and would probably cause them stress and anxiety trying to do it because they really don't enjoy it or can't do it properly. So I think it's a matter of finding two or three things that you can do that work for you, that will work for you in any environment. Um, whether you're traveling, whether you're home, whether you're staying in, in different accommodations. So that might be, you know, reading a book for some people. Um, it may be listening to a certain type of music. It may be um, having, a shower, having a shower and cleaning your teeth and then reading a book. It may be a series of things that people do. But finding out, I think, what works for you, what's comfortable for you, what's easy for you and what's something that you know that you'll do on a regular basis. And I think the other thing to consider is that for many, and we see this in some athletes who are really good sleepers 90% of the time put them in a in an Olympic village around a World Cup scenario and um, when the stress is high that's when problems can arise so letting athletes know look you may be sleeping well now but hit, try some strategies try them some things that you find might work so that when you're in a in a stressful environment you've got some tools in your toolkit to, to go to that you know are going to work for you and, and help you um, help you sleep in in stressful environments Shona if our listeners want to continue this conversation where can they find out more about your work and what you're up to probably the most the place that I keep um, most up to date um, is is on Twitter we're usually promoting the students work some of the, the the research that they've done conferences that we're attending also the ACU Australian Catholic University website um, has some information on on projects and um, areas of, of research and, and expertise Shona, thank you very much for your time today. And on behalf of the whole BJSM community, thank you for sharing your knowledge with our listeners. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for the great questions. Thank you for listening to this BJSM podcast with Dr. Shona Halson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with friends or leave us a review and connect to our social media channels. You can listen to a new clinically relevant BJSM podcast every Friday, and there is no better place to find them than on the BJSM app. As always, we hope you have a physically active day.